0: Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition. He's Zach. I'm Braden. We are not in the Cast Collective studio because it's a very, very busy place to be, Zach. So, welcome to the show. We've got a They're lot very of very popular being...
1: establishment. A very hey, popular listen, establishment.
0: That is what we are here to do: is make them more popular. And so apparently, we've done our job, Zach. So, yes. good on good on us. We've got a lot of football to talk about. A couple of Lots Titans practices. Of so much football. Titans got into some two-minute drills today. It was so much fun to watch. Lots of energy, lots of seven-on-seven. Seven. So we'll break down all of Thursday's practice, take a look at the quarterback situation because we saw a couple of things happen to on Thursday on, on the practice field. Also, we'll get into some contract negotiation sort of speculation, if you will, Zach, on, on the show today. Uh, and then we'll do some rapid-fire concerning things and things we're excited about, right? Is that Am I, am I wording that right on the yeah, I Yeah,
1: I think you're wording that right. Excitement, concern, ec- yeah. you know likes dislikes love hate you know just I all kinds it. of different stuff we synonym sh- antonym
0: <laughs> we we do the show for the dislikes zach that's what we're yes. here for um we're here for the dislikes um of course our wonderful and amazing sponsors with an s now uh the kingston group BuildKG.com. you can get to them of course on the website there nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm like i've said it before zach if you're gonna make a decision about your house do not do it without talking to the Kingston group, buildkg.com. My family uses them, so you should use them. And, of course, our new sponsor for the football season, Weiss Liquors, right there on uh, Gallatin. Go to Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors, and have booze delivered directly to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes. Zach, I believe you've coined the phrase... let them drive so you can drink. <laughs> let them do the driving so you can do the drinking. <laughs> I, I like that. It's you wonderful. added
1: way too many words. That's not how advertising slogans go. You got to go, let them drive so you can drink.
0: You're, that's a valid that's argument. It. There you, go. you make a valid point. So uh, And, of course, if you go into Weiss Liquors, right there, the closest liquor store to Nissan Stadium and you Titans fans or any other events that are taking place at Nissan Stadium, all your pregame tailgate needs, your postgame needs, Weiss has got you covered, of course. And if you go in there, Say 440, you'll get 10% off. So it's tax-free booze and potentially delivered right to your door. I'm not sure what else you need. So Kingston Group, BuildKG.com, and Weiss Liquors, two locally owned and and managed and operated companies exclusively in Nashville for you Titans fans. They make this show happen. So go check them out, okay? I don't think that's asking too much. Yeah. And, and then, what do they need? To, what do what do the listeners uh, need to do on the YouTube page? Well, right?
1: We just subscribe. Go go there. You know, turn on your notifications. Subscribe to the 440 Sports YouTube channel. Subscribe to the Broadway Sports Media YouTube channel. Subscribe to the 440 Sports Facebook page. Subscribe to the Broadway Sports Media Facebook page. Go on Twitter. Turn on notifications for at FWords Pod. For at Braden Golf. For at 440 Sports and at. Broadway T N, and then you'll never miss a show ever again.
0: <laughs> if you want pictures of Malik Willis's new French bulldog, make sure you turn on my no- the notifications for at Braden Gall. <laughs>
1: yeah, do we know a name for the French bulldog?
0: Dino. It's in the tweet. Dino. Oh, the, t- Dino. the tweet. The tweet is Dino, short I, for Dom- Dom- Dominic. I only
1: had time to see Teron Davenport's tweet. Oh, come on! So I didn't even, uh, you know, I got turned on those notifications.
0: God bless America. I'm very genuinely hurt by this. <laughs> I thought I'd beat. I thought I'd beat Tehran because we were the only two people over there talking to Malik's. Fans. Family about the dog. Okay. Uh, Donovan's already chiming in. So, this is what you want to do. If you want to get involved in the show at any point, jump in the comment section, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. We'll make sure we get those answered for you. Uh, Donovan says, I've been seeing a lot about Racy McMath making some impressive catches. Does he have a chance of being a significant contributor? This is a perfect segue into our first conversation on the show today, which is going to be about the two minute drills. Love it.
1: I love it. The first thing out of your mouth was, because we kind of already set the tone for what we were going to talk about in the show. And you called me and you said, we have to talk about the two-minute drill.
0: <laughs> we do. And uh, for a lot of reasons, some very good and some not so good. Um, but I thought, to, to Donovan's question, I thought Ray C. McMath has had a good, really good couple of days of practice. So I think this week has been a, a really good week for him. He has put him and Josh Malone and Des Fitzpatrick. Des Fitzpatrick also had a really good day, especially in the, in the two-minute drill as well, where they're just like, they're kind of just constantly pushing each other for that. Like, you know, whether it's four, five, and six, let's call it in the receiving core, right? Those three are constantly pushing each other. Racy McMath was really good on one-on-ones today. Um, had a couple of really good routes where maybe the ball wasn't delivered correctly by the quarterback wearing number seven at the time. Then he ran it with the guy who has the one in front of the seven and the ball was delivered exactly on time. And he made a great catch in the back of the end zone. So, um, McMass had a good couple of days of practice. Ryan Tannehill threw a very bad interception. Uh, I do not know if it was 100% Austin Hooper or 100% Tannehill. He was trying to hit Hooper down the seam. Kevin Byer jumped up, made an easy interception. It was one of the worst throws I've seen from Ryan Tannehill in camp, but otherwise the starting offense looked great. They went right down the field. They scored a touchdown. Um, kyle phillips was involved with ryan Tannehill for most of the day on thursday which we know Tannehill said on monday he has not thrown to kyle phillips that is no longer true uh he has absolutely taken a lot of reps with kyle phillips and i don't know zach like that dude traylon burks looks great roger mccurry looks great like chicka looks great <laughs> but, like but kyle phillips like, like the dude never misses a step in any drill, in any seven-on-seven team, individual, group. Doesn't well, matter. Let me
1: say something. He blew just... right past Roger McCurry. It's like Roger McCurry didn't even know that they were doing a drill. I mean, like, the drill hadn't started because that 1v1, one, one, one Kyle Phillips just went right by him, like, with these. And what what's impressive about Kyle Phillips in this particular uh, red zone drill, or the two-minute drills that you're talking about, is that the first two throws, him and Ryan Tannehill just couldn't get on the same page. And he, and Kyle Phillips takes the blame. There's a video clip of it, of him taking the blame, saying that it's it, mental errors on me. And then they score on the same play later on. And that's what you want to hear, right? You want to hear that from all these rookies, from all these players, really, that are new pass catchers for Ryan Tannehill that, Okay, we understood where I made the mistake, or the mistake was made. Let's fix it and go back to the play later on and score on that play. And I think it's massive that Kyle Phillips is finally getting pushed into the uh, rotation for the fir- with the first team offense. I think it says a lot about the mentality of what we have known this team is looking for right that ever yep. since Frable took over, I don't care who you are. You have to earn your spot. I don't care how much you are paid. You have to earn your spot. And Kyle Phillips, since rookie mini camp all the way to now we're in the second week of training camp for two months has, has basically proven that they cannot not have him on the field.
0: Yeah. Uh, and Mason Kinsey, to his credit, had a really good day of practice on Thursday as well, especially in one-on-ones, did some really good work to get open, made a couple of really tough corner catches on some good players. I think one of them was Amani Hooker, uh, I believe. And so Mason Kinsey's not not rolling over and, and giving up the starting job or the slot job or whatever we want to call it. He had a really good day. camp. I, th- I thought the receivers, and this is sort of what we've seen, I think the receivers have had a great camp overall. I think the defensive backs are coming along and are having sort of sp- situations where they've had good moments. I thought the defensive backs, uh, a couple of them, actually, I got them written down here, Zach. Um, Trey Swilling had a couple of really good reps and one-on-one in the end zone. Theo Jackson, Greg Mabin, Shakur Brown. So like that's, those are depth pieces. And Shakur
1: Brown That's the third time, third day in or third or fourth practice in a row since he's been signed that he's made some kind of impression on this team. And we know from Vrabel's own mouth that they liked Shakur, Shakur Brown coming out of uh, Michigan state. I personally like Shakur Brown because I thought that he was a very—he wasn't athletically gifted. He's kind of like Elijah Molden and um, Roger McCreary, not the most athletically gifted, but they know how to play cornerback, and they're—they're they're just always in the right spot. And I, I think that eventually we'll have to revisit our fifty-three because some of these new people <laughs> may end up making the back of the roster, but the very, very worst case scenario for Shakur Brown is that he's going to be on the practice squad here in Tennessee. I
0: I think all the guys we are talking about in the seven on seven, the one-on-ones in the end zone and the two minute drill. I think all of the players at defensive back and at wide receiver are playing are, are, there's a level of competition that has been raised even from last year and definitely for the wide receivers. Cause I think McMath is better. I think Kinsey is better. I think Fitzpatrick is better, even if slightly and then you're adding to it Burks and Woods and Phillips and all this other stuff. I, I'm, I'm going to say something that might blow your mind here. Uh-oh. You want to know who's really good in one-on-ones? Reggie Roberson. Jeff Swaim.
1: Jeff Swaim. Well, I <laughs> thought it was interesting today, and everybody needs to I, – I don't know what has happened this year, but everybody needs to start paying attention to the position coaches and their press conferences because they tend to be the best press conferences of the year so far. But Luke Steckle said that for a guy that's played 16 games, by the way, in 2021, not including the playoff game, he battled through injuries all season. That could be why Jeff Swaim and his blocking fell off. So maybe a healthy Jeff Swaim will get back to 2020 Jeff Swaim, which is still nothing to love in the passing game. But. He's a veteran presence, which has been needed all over this this locker room so far this year. I mean, yep. everybody's talking about a veteran presence in some form or another, and all the rookies are listening to the veterans in some form or another. And, you know, he's just going to be a really good blocker, so maybe he's going to be worth the overpay of $3 million as long as he gets back to 2020 blocking Jeff Swing.
0: Yeah. Um, the Tannehill interception, I think, was interesting. And if we want to go a, a slight negative here on the on the starting groups uh, run through the two-minute drill. Because then Malik Willis and the backups, along with a bunch of backups on defense, they sort of went through their process going back down the other side of the field. And and we'll get to that in a second. But the, the interception was just, I think it was like maybe the worst throw of camp for Tannehill. I, I, I think it was... I think Austin Hooper was running the right route. I, I haven't seen that if there was any conversation after the, after practice about whether or not, you know, there was miscommunication there. It was just a bad throw. But other than that, like I haven't seen any problems from Tannehill. So there was kind of a, we're all on the sidelines going like, Oh, there it was. Well, I will <laughs> like, say
1: this Kevin Bayard in the defensive back group. And he mentioned in his press conference, they, they heard and read everybody talking about, well, Tannehill has not thrown in an interception. Tannehill <laughs> has not thrown in interception and Bayard like Bayard has shown this whole offseason, season, he's like, "Well, if nobody else is going to do it, I'm just going to have to do it myself." Yeah,
0: yeah. And he went up and made the play, and it was very. The thing it was is it was like an easy play. Yeah, like that, that's the problem is that Tannehill made it so easy. Uh, by the way, Donovan says, "Congrats to KB, well deserved, getting his jersey retired." St- Coach Stock was out there. Rick Stock still was out there. So a few, a lot of, a lot of national folk have come through town this week. I think uh, you had Peter King. Um, you had uh, Char- Tra- Chaz Davis was out there today. Uh, on Thursday as well. So um, some interesting stuff. Again, stock up on on Kyle Phillips, stock up on the depth at receiver and the competition, stock up on the depth at defensive back. Uh, Christian Fulton is not having the greatest camp, but I've, that's not anything to be worried about. I think the the tape don't lie on game days. Um, there. Right.
1: You, you right. know what Christian Fulton is.
0: Yeah. So you and, and uh, Mike Herndon, by the way, check it out on Football and Other F-Words. You talked a lot about sort of the reaction to Malik Willis's practice. And you and I talked a lot on Monday's episode about expectations from Malik Willis. He had one of his better seven on sevens that I've seen. Um, now, you can't be rolling out in seven on seven drills. Like, you, you, you got to let the ball go. And, and that's still something that they're working on and that he's clearly working on. Pretty good seven on seven. Well, so, let me I think ask they're... you
1: a question Do we know for sure that they're not wanting him to roll out on seven on sevens, considering that that is something that he's having, that we've seen video of him struggling with?
0: So, that's a great question. Um, and the one throw I'm remembering was actually him rolling to his left, which we know he doesn't do particularly comfortably yet. And he threw an absolute BB to the pylon and the guy catches it. I think it was, maybe it was Roberson or Malone that caught it for a touchdown. Here's the problem though, with seven on seven drills, they're, they're rolling out. Like, unless it was designed from the snap, like where you really, like yeah. you, take the, you get the ball and you go to me, you you should not be leaving the pocket in seven on seven. Like you you're the whole point is to allow the, the reps for the receivers and the defensive backs. And for you to go through quick progressions and throw, because who's, who's pressuring you to leave the pocket? Nobody. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I didn't, that was the, he, the
1: only reason I ask is because the, it, going from Todd Downing to Malik Willis. And now today with uh, Pat uh talking about, they all three put an emphasis on reps and getting the footwork to line up with the brain because the brain's moving the speed that they want it to move at the NFL level, but the feet work ain't communicating. So I I just wonder if maybe the reason you're seeing a rollout in seven-on-seven, which you normally don't see, is because they're trying to give him what they've all said all week, reps.
0: Yeah, so I agree with everything you're saying, and I think it's the right...
1: I'm just throwing that out. No, no,
0: I think that one particular time, again, and because what we're trying to do is I'm sitting there watching, going, all right, was that a good rep? Was that a bad rep? How, was that where it was supposed to do? Was he was supposed to do or, or was it not? And in this particular case, he took his drop. He he looked at his first couple of reads and then he like tucked gotcha. it and r- rolled out. And like to me on seven and seven, there's no point in doing that. Like you have to just let it go. So it did not look on purpose. If, if yep. I, I, I gotcha. highly doubt that. Now in the two minute drill, there was a, a, a rollout to his right where he felt pressure quickly rolled out to his right threw a dart to Mason Kinsey and had a, had a nice play. First play of the drive was maybe his best throw of all of camp. The last play of the drive was maybe his second best throw in all of camp. Every other play in between, a lot of questions uh, to be expected in your first two minute drill that we have seen as as media and the fans are out there too, which is really cool to have them out there, by the way, the first time in a couple of years. So a couple issues. Four or five times out of, I think, uh, 13 or 14 plays, I've got it written down here, four or five of them would have been sacks. Just straight up, like, didn't get rid of the ball, didn't read the play, didn't throw it, got, you know, taken too long. Okay, three seconds go by, then he throws it. Those are just sacks. One was knocked down at the line of scrimmage. I think that was, I think it was Jaden Peavy, but don't quote me on that. Okay. Um... He had one really bad throw to Des Patrick down the sideline, and one good one again to Mason Kinsey on the first play. One good one on the rollout, and one good one at the end. The rest of them were all one way out of the back of the end zone that wasn't even close to catchable. One that was way outside on the right sideline, out of bounds, that wasn't even catchable. He got he just gets lost in the huddle like he's he's much smaller on the field than you think. And so there's a couple ways to look at this. One, it's super early. It's not that big a deal. There's a learning curve. He's a third-round quarterback who's not supposed to start this year, okay? The other way to look at it is he's not going to (laughs) grow like three inches in the offseason or by practicing. And he just looks a lot smaller. And in the shotgun, you should be most comfortable because that's what he ran in college. So it's just the first one, and there's a lot of work to do and a lot of work to go. But his attitude's great. And as we've said, his talents there when he wants to plant and throw it
1: gets there fast. And I think I think that matters and not not to dis. obviously from everything that we've heard, the mental aspect is there. He uh, he retains the information. He doesn't make the same mistake twice mentally. And he has good decision making skills, according to his coaches and according to what his own admission is, is that the problem is, is. Maybe he's relying too much on his physical skill set and not enough on his mental game, which is something that it's kind of like they... I think it was uh, Rob Moore talked about it uh, with Traylon Burks. This is kind of like his welcome to the NFL moment is going to be a whole season. The welcome to the NFL moment for Traylon Burks maybe was a month. Everything (laughs) else is going to be a full season for Malik Willis, and that's to be expected at this point.
0: I... So what's interesting in the, the two minute was he didn't really roll out. To, like he is, I, I'm not sure I agree with you on the, the mental development. I agree with you on the correcting mistakes. Well, I'm just,
1: I'm just repeating what the two different yeah, coaches yeah, yeah. Have said.
0: And that's, they know far more than I do. There's no question. But what I see when I watch him practice is a guy who is not pulling the trigger. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's the mental side, not connecting to the physical side, if that's not trusting himself in what, he, in what he sees. The NFL game is lightning fast and far more complicated than anything you'd ever see at Liberty by like a million times. So, like, there's going to be an acclimation process. So, I'm trying not to be too hard on him, but it does feel like, and I've seen some growth from, from the first day of practice to Thursday. But it, like, in this drill, it's just like he probably threw the ball 14 times and maybe made three good decisions. And so that's yeah. my, that's like, to, and it's not even that they're bad decisions per se, it's that there's no decision. And so it's this paralysis, I feel like. And and I think that's to be expected in this situation, honestly.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, in the end, it's to be expected. Most of this growing yeah. pains and all this stuff is to be expected. Everybody has talked about that he needs reps. And this was talked about by uh, Michael Lombardi and Brian Schottenheimer on a podcast, even before he got drafted to to the Tennessee Titans reps, 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 reps. He just needs to find them. Yep. He'll, he'll get some preseason games under his belt. They'll probably be uh very ugly for, for streaks at a time. And then they're going to be really beautiful. And he's going to make that one wild yep. throw, and You're going to yep. be like, Holy shit. Look at this guy.
0: <laughs> Cause the ball, I mean, like when it's on and a tight spiral, it is impressive. And then sometimes it flutters and floats and like, yeah, it's not in the right place. So, Um, what's interesting is he he finished on a really nice throw in the two minute drill and Robinson was like, Hey, way to finish, man. Way to finish. Like gave him a little congratulations there. And, um, again, it's just, I would love to see him do like, like have Logan go down the field with the next group and then come right back to Malik and have him see how quickly he can implement and turn around the learning stuff. Right. I would love to see him do like, so they're not, I don't think they're, um, I think they're practicing Friday. They're not on Saturday. They're out there on Sunday and Monday. I'd love to see like how quick another two minute drill with Willis, how fast he can sort of implement some of the, the, the corrections. Right. I think, I think would be super, super interesting. Uh, Donovan asks, I heard Willis is getting majority of the second team reps. He, he does in some drills. I wouldn't read
1: too much into it,
0: but not, but not like, like the vast majority of everything they do. It is Tannehill, Woodside, Willis.
1: Yeah, I, I think people are going to take that quote and and think that it means that Willis. They're trying to get Willis to push Logan Woodside out. I just think they're trying to get Willis reps. better personnel to have reps yep. with.
0: Here, here's the one last point about the two minute. He was not going up against many defensive players that are going to make the roster. Yeah, so just something to be considered. Mason Kinsey looked great in that drill. Racy McMath looked good in that drill. Des, Des Fitzpatrick looked good in that drill. Like the the receiving core was, had a really good day on Thursday. So, Uh, Oh, by the way, last, last thing here, uh, not a lot of running the football, not a lot of work on the running game because none of the offensive and defensive veterans were on the field on Thursday. We should have probably mentioned that at the start, but Taylor Lewan, Ben Jones, Bud Dupree, Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons, like none of those guys were out there. So, uh, to be getting pressure from a third team defensive line with, against the third team offensive line, do with that information, what you will. I, I don't know.
1: Well, I, speaking of Simmons, I wanted to get into talking about filling out the contract situation. You have obviously been at OTAs, you've been at training camp. What are you feeling and sensing that is the contract priority for guys like Amani Hooker and Jeffrey Simmons, and you know Nate Davis, David Long, and what is it? What do you think the future holds for maybe even Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry? I, I think we should start with Amani Hooker first, who seems to be. If you pay attention to the clues, (laughs) he is everywhere on the Titans social media right now. They just released a video and he's already had two or three videos uh, that are focused in on him. Yeah. Sometimes you need to read into some of this stuff, but Amani Hooker seems to be, you know, off season award winner, all this stuff. Is he the priority? And is it, is it necessary? Is priority the right word to use?
0: Um, Priority is not necessarily the right word to use, but I think it's the correct order of operations, if that's the right term. Gotcha. Like if you, owe, if you owe three people three amounts of money, and you owe one $100,000, and you owe one $10,000, and you owe one $1,000, wouldn't you want to get the cheaper ticket items off the books earlier? Like You're going to get rid of debt the same way you work through contracts. Like You're going to pay the $1,000 guy off so he's gone. Because the one thousand, like you see them, like you can eliminate a whole dude from your equation by just giving a thousand bucks, whereas the other guy you still owe ninety nine thousand dollars to. So again, it's very similar to debt, in my opinion. You want to know how much money you got left to work with, right? How much is the cap going to be taken up? So I would expect the smaller deals to get done sooner. And Amani Hooker is probably at the top of that list. Um, Nate Davis, David Long, or two other ones that you've mentioned before. I would agree with those two. I would say anybody, although Davis's contract, I think should be pretty nice. I think Longs will be very team friendly. Uh, Hookers will kind of be in the middle because I think he's worthy of a top 10 contract, but probably won't get it. He'll be close. Um, So I would expect to see news on those well before anything else. I think Tannehill and Henry, we can get more into this because I know you've kind of had this theory from the beginning that come January and February, they're going to have a lot of talks between those two guys and the team. And there was also some rumblings in the summertime. And I, I've, I've heard these as well, that Henry wanted to have some conversations with the Titans about, about potentially reworking the deal. Um, the Simmons one is the big one that everyone's focused on. But here's the thing. You wouldn't know it. You, you wouldn't know it if you're out at practice, if you're talking to anybody in the media, if you're talking to people in the press, talking to people at the Titans, talking to people on the players. Like no, It's not a subject that people are, are, are worried about. It's not a thing people are talking about.
1: It's not it doesn't seem like Jeffrey Simmons is too concerned with no, it. So I, no. I mean, I think it helps that you know when you got 14 million guaranteed because of a fifth year option, it probably helps loosen that up. Yep. E- loosen your uh sense of dread up uh, when you got that, you know, coming in your fifth year. You're already getting paid this year, now you're getting your fifth year fully guaranteed. So it makes me feel like he he's kind of working through his own representation. Um Process, I guess not issues, but process trying to, I think, sign with an agent. Maybe he's already signed with an agent or get away from his uncle, who I think currently is his agent as far as we know. So I don't think he's in some big rush currently to yeah. try and get it. And wouldn't you as a player with you, if you already got 14 million fully guaranteed, you're taking the risk of I'm betting on myself in 2022 I'd rather get more money by having a better 2022. And that puts the Titans in a dangerous situation too, but it is a defensive line kind of contract, which, you know, they seem to be lesser expensive than a lot of other positions.
0: To me, this is, um, like, to me, it's kind of common sense here. If you're the Titans and you want to be way ahead of the curve on signing him, you got to get a discount. If you're, if you're going to wait till the very end, you're probably going to pay a premium, but then you will have saved some money next year. No one else really in that draft class in the first round has signed an extension other than Kyler Murray. So, so right now there's no, like, I think the rush is the right word. Like the, to me, there is no rush. It feels like from any party involved in this, they, they all know it's, it's there. They all know they got to work through it. It feels like there's like this. I, again, I'm assuming this is not reporting here. I'm just assuming that there's probably a very, methodical and rhythmic back and forth that's happening between the Titans front office and and, and the agent. And they're just sort of like, all right, let's ch- okay. You, What do you think about this? Okay. What do you think about that? All right. What number do you care about? What date do you care about? Like, it just feels very relaxed. It doesn't feel like it's a topic that anyone is worried about. Um, and again, 14 million guaranteed <laughs> right. is a nice number to have like automatically already there for yourself. Um, what do you want that to be? 22? Do you how big do you want the signing bonus to be? Are you willing to come down off the 22 to get more of a signing bonus and sign the contract earlier? I mean, again, it's all pretty common sense, but I get the feeling that it's just not a thing people are worried about like players, coaches, administrators, like I just media, like no one's really talking about it at all.
1: So we think uh, the feeling is that you have Monty Hooker gets done first, Jeffrey Simmons gets done when it gets done, and nobody's really, you know. Concerned about it actually coming together, and I th- I go to now Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, po- polarizing players. Derrick Henry is being paid a lot of money for a position of lesser value that typically tends to be easily replaced across the league, and Ryan Tannehill is much maligned. Ryan Tannehill, I we've kind of come around to the idea that Ryan Tannehill probably could see a little restructure slash extension to get his cap hit down next year and stick around for a couple more years. I've always been under the impression that this is Derrick Henry's last hurrah. Where do you land on those I, two guys? I,
0: I do not think it's Derrick Henry's last hurrah. Um, and part of that is recency bias. He is in like peak physical shape and does not look like a 28-year-old who is had fi- 1,400 carries. Like he just he just doesn't <laughs> he looks he looks like a twenty five year old who's in his third year, and I, that's just you know that is what it is like it as I've always called Derrick Henry he is the human evolution experience experiment taking place in real time the human body versus NFL defenses it's never won the body has never won at, at this at this position is Derrick Henry just different than all other humans that have ever been created and it's possible I get the sense that. I get the sense they're going to restructure the deal at some point to make sure they get at least two more years out of him to make him feel a little more secure and to maybe, you know, get a few more miles on the car. I would say two more seasons, including this one for sure. So after, you think at least
1: that. at least one more season after this one?
0: I think at least one more, if not two. I could see that that third season from today, right? So that'd be twenty twenty four. Yes, that could be the one that's the gray area. But again, that all depends on how the deal is restructured. Sure. If it's a, if it's all restructured for a one year big big payout. Versus a two year big payout? Where's the cut date, right? Where you can cut bait and get out?
1: Probably, I kind of feel the same about Ryan Taniel in that sense is that, like, yeah. I think he'll get at least restructured or extended for one more year. And maybe it gets pushed into a kind of a gray area that they can get out of it next year to have that time to see if Malik Willis has truly taken the jump. Because the, the problem is with people saying you either know or you don't know, they mentally, they know. Right? Mentally, according to what they say, they they know that he has the mental aspect. but he after preseason's over, the reps are only coming in practice against yeah. you know, some guys that he should eventually progress and beat. Now, if he doesn't eventually progress and beat up on these guys in practice, you know, these second string, probably,
0: well, but well, no, I would say straight. this. I,
1: I, well, I was gonna say the people that he's gonna be facing in practices throughout the season are gonna be actual people that made the roster, unlike what well, he's and, facing and
0: now uh, true. But here's another thing that, and I don't think you and I have talked about this, but it just sort of strikes me. If if Logan Woodside is sort of your number two on game days, like you, like you, like you think, and I kind of yeah. agree with you on that. Like why? And and look at the quarterbacks on the schedule for the Tennessee Titans. Why would you not have Malik Willis running reps against the best defense that you have?
1: Yeah, that's sure he probably all week will on. be a scout team type quarterback for the for a lot of these uh practice weeks. I mean, you're trying
0: to replicate Russell Wilson. Do you want Logan Woodside doing it or do you want Yeah, there you <laughs> I go. I want I want Malik Willis running against the first team. So I think here's the here's the di- the biggest difference between Tannehill and and Henry is obviously his standing within the brains of the Titans brass. And I think the Titans brass is still very much Let's see what Tannehill does this year. Let's see what Willis does this year. We'll make a decision after the season's over. I think they know as long as Derrick Henry is f- fully healthy and doesn't show signs of slowing down, I think they have a f- a, a more proven commodity that we're going to try to restructure and bring back with Derrick Henry. Whereas Tannehill, it's more like, uh, let's see what you can do. Yeah, and And then it's either if Willis has shown enough, let's, Let's bring him back and then we don't need Tannehill. Or if Tannehill's great, Willis hasn't shown enough, we need to restructure Tannehill. I think there's, it is way more gray area with the quarterback situation. I think I just, this may be the right or wrong decision. I don't know. But I get this sense that if Derrick Henry has 1,500 yards this year, a good season by his standards, and they cut him at the end of the year, that this fan base would revolt. Like I think, I think people would lose their shit.
1: Yeah, I I, th- I think so. I th- I th- I agree, and I I wouldn't technically lose my shit, I guess, because it is it's he's just a running back, and I know, you know I know this is know. where this is where I fall on that kind of stuff at this point. You're now.
0: very you're very. It's not cynical. You're very pragmatic. Yeah, when it very when pragmatic when it comes to the running back situation. Stony says, "I swear, this show makes me smarter every Monday and Thursday." Go on, Stony. Go on. Here we go. Love it. Car- continue, sir. Continue. <laughs> um. So there you go. I. I would look at the smaller deals first. I would say Simmons, absolutely. I would be, I don't know what I can gamble on. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll buy Huxley like a diamond studded necklace or something. Like, if they don't sign Jeffrey Simmons in the next 12 months. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, would be shocked, yeah. uh, utterly shocked. And then I think Henry comes back and I think Tannehill's the one that we are in. Let's see what you got this year mode.
1: Yeah. So. I, I would agree. I, I think that the, I don't think any, even if they do have have grown confidence in Malik Willis, that's a that's a lot of confidence that has to grow with very limited rep availability given to him. Real, in, in real, a reps. The, yeah, yeah. real reps in the span of a month to say, OK, well, we know what we got with Ryan Tannehill. Even if he's not that great in the playoffs, we at least we know we can win. You got to throw all that out if you're going to go with Malik Wilson. That's a big jump. And I don't know if that's a jump that the Titans are prone to make. Oh, I think,
0: I think Tannehill's back. Yeah. I think Tannehill's back. Like that's my prediction. Not using, I'm not, again, no, nothing here. Nobody talking. This is just me thinking you can win 12 games with bad Tannehill. Right. (laughs) Like, like, why would you throw that out when he still probably has another good couple of years he looks like he's just as athletic. The arm looks good. He's making. He looks totally motivated. I don't have. I don't have any concerns about them making the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill for the next two years. Like none at all. Now, can you win the game in the AFC Championship? That's a different story. But right. But as of right now, he's looked good, and I. I don't think he's going anywhere. But at least
1: of looking good. What about this Titans rookie class? Can we just oh, throw a parade for this rookie <laughs> class? I mean, this is just screaming 2019 all over again. But what? what screams about what makes this rookie class different than previous, the last two rookie classes, at least the amount of just pure professionalism that these players from Theo Jackson, the only one you really don't hear much about is, uh, is chance Campbell. It's really the only one that you don't really ever hear anything about. And the rest of them, I mean, Kyle Phillips, Chig, NPF, I guess, is just you know working through stuff. and he's another one that you don't really hear about. but everything that whenever these guys are put in front of a microphone, they take accountability for their actions. They recognize their weaknesses, and they talk about what they're going to do to fix it. What else do you want from rookie class, especially after you know the signing of Vic Beasley, the signing of Jadavian Clowney, drafting Isaiah Wilson, Darrington Evans would much rather be on Twitch than try to learn the playbook and play football. Wow. You know, you know all these things that have happened. I just can't get over it. I, I cannot give over get over this rookie class, and I'm just it has provided me with optimism heading into this season that I wasn't expecting. Because I was kind of expecting my whole thing was I'm not going to get too excited about this Titan season. It's going to be probably the same old, same old. They'll win 10 or 11 games. They'll look shitty on some games. They'll look great on the other games. and they'll lose well, isn't,
0: that, the isn't, that the, isn't that the NFL? Like...
1: It sort of is, but I'm not going to like get emotionally invested like I typically yeah, do. Yeah. But here I am. These rookies are just, they're not <laughs> letting me not be emotionally invested. And I think You're it's okay. You're thirsty, for, buddy. I think it's okay for fans to buy into the hype.
0: I, I Professionalism is. A million percent the right word. Here's another word. They are craftsmen. Like the, oh, that's, that's a good a, word. Like, I like that. Like Kyle Phillips is a craftsman of his position. Like that, he doesn't need to be taught much of anything about how to run routes and play the wide receiver position. He's limited in other ways. Theo Jackson is a craftsman. Chance Campbell is a craftsman. Um Malik Willis, I, I heard this also this week. Malik Willis might be too humble, and that might be what turned off some teams. To drafting him is that he might be too humble because sometimes you want a little alpha, right? You want right. you want your quarterback to be a little dog, have a little dog, like you want your wide receiver to have some dog in him. Go get the football. Uh Burks is Burks is, to me, Burks is in like a, a different planet. Like Burks is just a physical specimen that is an extraordinary talent that does not come along very often. Hopefully it works out. He's di- he's different. Nick Nicholas Petit Ferrer is kind of in that category as well, where he's just this physical specimen. And let's hope it all gets put together. But Roger McCreary is a craftsman of the position. Kyle Phillips Chigaconquo is a craftsman of the position. And I ch- I chatted with Chig for just a brief minute after practice on Monday. The guy gets it. He's a total. By every bu-
1: interview that he does makes me. He's a total he, adult. He's va- vaunting up the list quickly to favorite Titan of all time. Like <laughs> you know, like I'm just I love everything that he says and his attitude. Like when you have him when he's on the radio, he exudes. Yep. just confidence and and this you know energy that you don't get out of your typical football interviews on uh, uh, on the radio yeah. and stuff and it's just something about him that is captivating. He's electric like he's an electric factory and
0: and and he's a Swiss army knife on the football field and he's a, a professional mature adult off the field now I think there's some there's also like I think kind of like how AJ Brown came in a little bit quieter and then like develop the personality started to come out a little bit. I do think Chig's going to have a little bit of that where it comes out a little bit as he gets more and more established as a professional, but you have to come in with the right attitude first. And every one of these guys, like again, Burks is on a different planet because he's just so stinking talented that I put him on a different category, but, but the mature professionalism of these guys, it is like, this is what we all said about Elijah Molden last year when he was drafted. We said, this is a NFL ready player because he's a craftsman of his position. He's been missed by the way, the last couple of days at at practice, but everyone, this is an entire class of Elijah Molden's with an upside,
1: right tackle and an upside wide receiver in the first round. Okay. So let's, let's run through them real quick. Traylon Burks, mega contributor. Kyle Phillips will be a contributor. Roger McCreary will be an above average contributor for sure. NPF probably won't contribute unless there's injuries, more than likely. But that's okay. He, his chances next year. Malik Willis, we know he's going to be a backup, so he doesn't really count. Ton but, of talent for
0: both those guys, ton though.
1: Talent yeah. and yeah. tons of professionalism for Malik Willis. You couldn't have asked for yeah. someone better as a backup and a young backup in in that case. Then you go to Chig, who's going to be a significant contributor, and then you go down to Chance Campbell. Where where do you rank Chance Campbell? Is he is he is he gonna be just a guy maybe on special teams for right now? The what has the Monty Rice injury done for him? Just real quick. What, um, me-
0: he's got an opportunity, and I think I don't think my opinion on Chance, Cam- Chance Campbell has changed too much. That like he's always in the right, again craftsman. He's always in the right spot. He always makes the right read. He's always in the right position. Never is never really asked to do the drill a second time. Um, but if he gets into a situation where the athleticism is the thing that decides the play, that's where he's just going to be a little bit, he's going to, he's always going to have that one extra step that might, that somebody's just going to be faster than him. Gotcha. Like you, and I think that's kind of what my opinion of him was coming into camp. Mm -hmm. And I think I've seen that from him in camp, but again, like a total professional, like this is a guy who's right. Like there's a when he transferred to Ole Miss he became the you know the heart and soul of that defense right away like cuz he just he's up here he gets it he's just mentally he's he's never Theo out of if jackson
1: going to the uh, the oh, last yeah. six round draft pick he's going to be a contributor do that I mean that... you're talking about about almost a 80% hit rate of and i didn't do any math so we at least know <laughs> was it 5 of 3 or th- uh only three, of out three. Of the, uh, only three of the eight are not going to be, like, major contributors, probably, unless there was an injury ahead of them.
0: Well, without would be 37.5%. Quick math there in the yeah, head. Uh, but here's do. the thing. I think you could take, I think you could take Malik Willis off this list. Like, I don't think... I don't even think he counts. Like, that was a luxury draft pick at a luxury position that you knew you weren't going to use this year. So, like, I don't even think... If you're ranking these guys on how much they contribute this year, I'm not even sure Malik Willis even counts as a draft pick. Like, you just sort of have to, like... Put him on the shelf and say, all right, we're redshirting you. We'll get to you next year. Um, well, I'll,
1: I'll say this. I'm just all bought in. Five out of seven? Traffic. Yeah. What's better than that? That's a it's, a. it's a major uplift for your roster going for the next four or five years. Right? Would, and that's the whole point of trading AJ Brown now or back then was to be able to get an influx of talent. Like you see before you, you probably don't get three or four of these guys. If you don't trade for AJ Brown, because the other picks were involved in the other trades to get other players.
0: Now, obviously it's two weeks of camp. We got to be careful not yeah. to go, go nuts here and over allowing and it. Lose our, lose our heads. But I've, I've also been at training Titans training camp now five or six years in a row and, or minus the, the COVID year. And, I know a, I know a professional rookie when I see one in the first two weeks of camp. So right. Um, oh, oh, Hassan Haskins. What are we doing? Oh, my God. Donovan Donovan, 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 Hassan Haskins wow. should be a contributor as well. What do we do? Our apologies, Hassan, who also looks like a professional and who acts also like sounds
1: apparently really fast, a lot faster than what people expected.
0: He. he so here's the only question I have about him, because I don't I, I love the way he catches the football. We've talked about his hands out of the backfield. They're going to use him that way. They used a lot. They, they used a lot of Jordan Wilkins uh, on Thursday. A lot. So I, to your question about four or five running backs, like I could see Wilkins working his way into that conversation. Haskins just has to. He runs a little too upright. Like he's a very kind of like you know how Adrian Peterson always ran like he looked like he was like you know carrying dinner plates or something. Right. Like Hassan, Hassan Haskins runs a little upright, and so he's gonna have to be careful about that. But otherwise, big legs, physical, strong, great hands, catcher of the football, kind of does everything they want. Really good number three running back, I think, where he is right now. So,
1: yeah. Let me ask you a question, because I got a question for Mike Miracles in the chat. It's not really a question. It's a comment. And Mike Herndon, who has said that he's very surprised that you don't think that Chance Campbell is athletic enough because he sends me the uh, the mock draftable spider chart with the measurables. And everything for the measurables, he's in the ninety, the ninetieth or eighty fifth percentile. So four linebackers in the twenty twenty two draft class, the, where he lacks is the size. Would you like to revise your statement and no. maybe go? You just don't think he's athletic enough, NFL athletic enough?
0: Well, and it's not that he's not. Um, and that's why I've, I'm kind of being careful with what I'm saying because I don't necessarily disagree. Like it's when it's when the play will be made specifically relying exclusively on a pure God-given athletic ability. Like you've, but you've put yourself in the exact right position and some of this isn't fair because I saw a lot of this. You see a lot of stuff in seven and seven and you're going to have defensive linemen helping you and you're going to have safeties helping you and all this stuff. But if he is like, let's say he's matched up in man to man coverage, which you're not going to do with him much against a running back for for example, and it's, he's already coming out of the flats on a flat route. It, it's just a really hard cover for him. Um, I, but I—he's—he's he's a little undersized too. I don't think that's. Yeah, you know, I wasn't. I mean, David Long's like the smallest linebacker in the entire NFL. So I don't. Right. To me, that's not as big a factor. It's gotcha. Okay, now, now, if he's going to play a traditional inside back, and they want him in there on, you know, first and ten on running downs or goal line situations, like I think that's where he's going to excel. So he's kind of
1: like Zach Cunningham, sort of, is what you're saying. That, yeah, not necessarily that he. Uh, is Zach Cunningham, but like he's better on first and second down than on third down.
0: That, that's 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 accurate. I think Cunningham is far more, maybe back when he was at Chance Campbell's age. Yeah. Zach Cunningham was far more versatile, and explosive, come off the edge, intercepting passes like he did. Like Zach Cunningham was a freak at Vanderbilt, like just athletically, and then for the Texans for a few years as well. Um, so okay. I, I, I can, I will make sure. Here's what I'll do I will. I will go back and do more diligence on Chance Campbell just to make sure because Dylan Cole is getting a lot of run at that linebacker position where Monty where, Rice, yeah. where they want Monty Rice to be.
1: Yeah, I like Dylan Cole, by the way. Come on, Miracle. That's neither here nor there. All right, we're, let's go through just real quick rapid fire. We're going position by position. One thing you like, one thing you're concerned about. One thing I like about the quarterback position group right now is just how it's laid out. I love that they're going to be able to carry three quarterbacks. I love that Ryan Tannehill has the, is the confident leader, the, the, the starter. I love that Logan Woodside is just the fill-in guy when need be, but he's also over there teaching other players, specifically today in camp, on another field what the offense is about, which all bodes well for Malik Willis, who's the high upside rookie, who you kind of really don't want to come in, but it'd be kind of exciting.
0: It's <laughs> so the you I like. You you and you and uh, Herndon were talking about it on f words. Love it. I was so excited for the preseason. How fun the preseason is actually going to be because of Malik Willis. And I totally agree. I think the room is in great shape. I think the only question I have about the room for 2022 is upside of Ryan Tannehill in a playoff game. Like That's it. Like, I don't have, I think. That even, is the biggest concern for me it's right it. now. Yeah. The, the only, like, again, I think mediocre Ryan Tannehill can get you to 11 or 12 yeah. wins and win the and, division.
1: So. And let's say this. For concerns, obviously, are always going to be health, right? You know, my concern is what happens if he goes down. But we need to provide you with something different. And I think the biggest concern for this quarterback room is their success in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I think the, the one area I might be concerned about, and it's not, it's, it's health related, but it's not, he, like, truly, it's like, if Tannehill's out for two and a half games, you're going to go to Logan Woodside, not Malik Willis. And Logan Woodside, to me, I'm not sure he's good enough to win you those two games. Maybe he can keep he can give you a win if you've got the lead and he comes in to replace Tannehill for a lot like a chunk of time. Uh, If he's got to start three games, I think you're looking at one and two is like your best case scenario. That'd that be my only. Otherwise, I think Woodside's an asset to the development and the teaching of, of Willis.
1: The obviously what I love about the running back position is going to be the addition of Hassan Haskins. And I also like it because it helps alleviate some of the carries off Derrick Henry, because really my biggest concern is Derrick Henry starting slow for the fourth year in a row. Like it's (laughs) every year he starts slow in September and October and they rely too heavily on him. So my biggest concern is. Essentially, the rushing attack being used too much on first and second down in these early months when Ryan Tannehill and this offensive pass weaponry they has should be getting the bulk of the focus.
0: My, my only concern at running back is if Derrick Henry has 230 carries like before October. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that. That And that may not even affect this year's team. That could affect next year's team or the team after that. I, this is the... Best position group on the team.
1: Whoa, really?
0: I, I mean, I think Dontrell Hilliard is fantastic.
1: Wow, best I, position group on the team is it, that's well, okay, strong. But, that's strong praise. I, I mean, le- you said least it.
0: concerning. Least con- okay. you said. You said what are the concerns? This is yeah. the group I have zero concerns about. Gotcha. Like I just don't have any concerns about them at all. If if Henry does start slow, I think Hilliard is a nice juice out of the bat. Like I think Hilliard's a nice player. Like they. They can use him a lot of different ways. He actually can do more stuff in the offense. Like, you can line up Hilliard in the slot if you want. Like, I, I really like... I think uh,
1: I think they showed last year that even without Henry, they're going to run the ball to some successful degree.
0: Yes, million percent. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't... Yeah, I don't... Nothing really at running back, so...
1: The only thing I have a posi- concern about the tight end position is there's really only three that you can count on. I know people love Tommy Hudson, and there this seems... To be reports coming out of camp that the team loves Tommy Hudson, but I have seen Tommy Hudson play in the NFL and I've seen him move his body into the wrong spot to where Ryan Tannehill throws an interception in that Colts game. And I think it was week three. I'm not very sold in Tommy Hudson. So a little bit of the di- lack of depth, depth yeah. that I, that I, again, it's the tight end position. How many tight ends can you really keep? So is it really that big of a concern? But if Austin Hooper or even Chig goes down, that changes the whole dynamic of the offense and what they can do week in and week out.
0: Yeah. I think they're going to rely heavily on Hooper to do all of the things. Right. And I think Chig is still, while we love him and we're raving about him, I think you, you need to sort of let's, let's temper some expectations. I don't think he could step in right now and be your number one. If something happens to Hooper. So to me, it's the Hooper injury but that's sort of kind of like the same thing for every position. Like if your starting number one guy gets hurt, you're in trouble. This is the NFL. I think depth would be what I would say too, but otherwise what's exciting is the versatility. Like they are,
1: they're so versatile.
0: Like they've got, like they've got a guy who can do a little bit of everything. They got another guy who can do a little bit of everything. They got another guy who's like, okay, at some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It
1: makes them less predictable. And I, that's what I love about this is that they, this is trending to be a less predictable offense. Now, when I say that, I mean formation-wise and the defense seeing, oh, Jeff Swaim's out here, that means they're running the ball. Oh, Ferkser's out here and Jeff Swaim's on the bench, that means they're passing the ball. That's what I mean by less predictable. It may still be predictable where you can go, oh, they're probably going to go run, run, pass, but at least the formations allow them, I'll put a little bit of hesitation on the defense, which makes play action work better.
0: They, they can go 13 personnel and, and put... Line up running backs and receivers anywhere they want to. Yeah, like it, they they they've got a lot of versatility in their formational adju- ability. It's 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 fun.
1: My love and my concern are the same person, and it's Racy McMath. And I love Racy McMath and what he's shown these last few days. I love that basically they went up and told him is like, and they helped him realize that there are very few. 6'3, 230 pound wide receivers that can run a 4'3. My, and so I'm, I love that they have Racy McMath, you know, just basically, he's just like all pumped up in himself. He, he loves it. He's got the ego going a little bit. He's stacking good practices. But my concern is that Racy McMath is their deep speed. So again, mm. I'm not too concerned that I don't, I think that deep speed was a little overrated as a as a topic of conversation because you still do have Traylon Burks and Robert Woods can provide you enough NFL deep speed, but you do kind of want to get one deep threat you can throw out there and rely on, and I still am looking for that guy. Maybe Racy McMath turns into that guy, and I. But so that's why I kind of love and I'm a little concerned.
0: Here, here's what I would say about Racy McMath. I think in the last two weeks, he has pulled almost even with Dez Fitzpatrick.
1: And he gets the edge because he does special teams. Like, if they're choosing between the two, who gets the edge, it's Racy McMath.
0: So, on one play on Thursday, and I think it was two minutes, it might have been seven on seven, I'm not 100% sure, but he, there's a long, deep throw down the left sideline, and the ball is midway in the air at the top of the arch, and he is behind the corner. Like, the corner's got the lead on him. He ends up on the other side of the corner, sorry, I should say, what am I saying the right thing? Like he didn't get behind the defense. (laughs) The corner, the cornerback was, was, was ahead of him in the route.
1: In lockstep almost.
0: In lockstep, actually one step, half a step ahead of him. By the time the ball got there and it finished the last half of the throw, which is again, a half a second, he had, he had got himself into position on the other side of the defensive back and almost got a second foot in to score a really great touchdown. Again, I'm pretty sure that was McMath. He ran fade routes that were just lightning quick off the line of scrimmage in the red zone like he is you can see all the things coming together he has gained ground on Des Fitzpatrick in a big way
1: you're seeing why they have not signed a wide receiver of yeah yep yep yeah, yeah.
0: um so my my concern same kind of thing my concern and my hype is all the same thing and it's Traylon Burks. I I think I I am more and more excited every day I see him continuing to establish himself because the physical traits that he has, no one else on this team has. Full stop. A.J. Brown is not as big as Traylon Burks is. He is going to dominate people if he's on the field, if he gets it all right, if it, if it all clicks. And so my concern is that there's, we're, we're starting to put... The pressure is starting to mount on Traylon Burks to be the player that we are all seeing at camp. And it's asking a lot of a rookie to be a fully formed, productive number one receiver right out of the gate. I don't think we should expect that. I right. think we can though down the road. And I think replacing AJ Brown with his production, I think it can happen in, the, in a couple of years, but that's my excitement, but it's also, I'm kind of like, all right, let's, let's pump the brakes. Let's not put too much pressure on the young guy.
1: Yeah, I, I get that. I, I think, I think that's a, a good way to look at is that, you know, putting a lot of pressure on him, but he is the first-round draft pick, and at some point, first-round draft picks, you Top have 20. to start getting those guys yeah. in, involved, and they have to be impactful. Because if you really think about Jeffrey Simmons, it took all the way you know through eight weeks before they got Jeffrey well, Simmons out there, and that was because of injury. Right. But he didn't really make an impact till year two, first-round draft pick.
0: They, they do like You're their interest. i are talking about players.
1: Rashawn Evans, first-round draft pick. He, he wasn't really ready. First-round mm-hmm. draft pick, uh, Corey Davis and Dory Jackson weren't really that great. First-round draft pick, you know, coming out of the gate. First-round draft pick in 2016, um, Jack Conklin was one out of the gate. Then you go after Jeffrey Simmons, Isaiah Wilson, not good. Caleb Farley, not good. So are we going to finally get a bookend of Jack Conklin and Traylon Burks to <laughs> actually have productive year one seasons
0: you know it's funny you go back i was talking to a national reporter today and 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 i i was like he goes man robinson is drafted really well i was like what's a what's in your opinion what's a good number 60 percent of your roster from draft picks and he's like oh if you hit 60 percent, you're doing great and i think robinson is like he's way ahead of like i don't i don't have the numbers in front of me but i look at how many hits he's got and how many key pieces are on the roster and they're almost all of them other than like bud dupree Tannehill, <laughs> like yeah. other than the Those guys that are almost all draft picks by, you know, by John Robinson or guys that they've developed,
1: at least. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we'll let's end on the offensive line and save the defense for Monday because, I mean, we're running a little close on time. I think the biggest concern is that can two spots can this offensive line and this offense survive? With two key spots on the offensive line with average talent, and so that's my biggest concern. Now, I will say this: pass protection last year sucked. The run game was pretty good for the for the blocking, and that was with unathletic, well, sort of athletic Roger Saffel, but really old and injured. I would say hinders his athleticism, and uh, David Questenberry. who's just not that great. But they were still able to win 12 games with those two guys. If you consider Raidens and Brewer almost on the same level of an injured old Saffold and, you know, David Questenberry, shouldn't you just kind of expect probably more of the same? So that's my big concern is that we're not going to see yeah. a jump. We're going to see more of the same.
0: My my concern is that one position on the offensive line is better this year. Nate Davis. Yeah. That's my I think Lawan
1: could be better. I think you could say that Lawan could be better because he's a year removed from the ACL yes. injury.
0: That, and again, you're saying concern versus excitement, yeah. right? My concern is that one out of five positions got better along the offensive line, and that's because Nate Davis is in a contract year and lost some weight, and he's got his new fancy bot. Um, my concern, or my, my excitement, is that in theory, three of the pieces could be better. Lawan Jones even, Davis better, Lawan better. Those three... And that Raiden's raw, pure athletic talent is significantly better than anything Questenberry or Kelly offered the last two years. And that and that they just they found something in Brewer's athleticism that works in the running game. Yeah. Like that that's my that that's sort of like painting it with the rosiest picture is that there's upside at right tackle, and that Lawan and Davis should be better. Jones should be as good. That's my, that's sort of like my positive spin on it. The negative is that this is by far my biggest concern on the entire team. And that only one position might get better.
1: Yeah. Fully, and fully agree.
0: So there you go. There you go. Um, you know what you should not be concerned about? What's that? Big issues with your house. Because if you have one renovation, construction, resale, renovate, whatever. Kingston group. It's right. It's right there. Kingston group. Buildkg.com is the website. Don't worry about a big problem with your house. Call Kingston Group. They will take care of you. Have a conversation. I guarantee you'll be better off. And you know what else is a, not a problem? Finding booze in this town. Go to Weiss Liquors. Tell them 440 centship. You, you get 10% off. Or, or get this. Just go to Uber Eats. Search Weiss Liquors and have it delivered right to your house in less than 20 minutes. Oh, look at that. Weiss Liquors delivered right to your house. I don't know if you can deliver it to your office, nor would I recommend that. But I suppose you could do that if you wanted to. Yeah. I don't know, Zach.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say move. you can't.
0: It's a risky move. It depends on how good you, how good of a relationship you have with your boss, I guess. Yeah.
1: Uh, have and the booze directly delivered to you. Buy him something while you buy yourself something.
0: Oh, there you go. Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors, go. So make sure you support our sponsors, Kingston Group and Weiss Liquors <laughs> up there in the top corner. Uh, we do appreciate you guys. Turn on all the notifications as well. We'll do the defense rapid fire with concerns on Monday's edition. Uh, and of course we've got a couple, we've got two big practices on Sunday and Monday before we get to our show on Monday and we'll get to preview a football game, Zach. Oh, I love it. a free of football game. Uh, Zach, where can people find
1: you? They can find me on Twitter at efforts and you can find my written content whenever I uh, do write at Broadway sports media.com.
0: There you have it. You can get to me on Twitter at Braden gall at four forty sports, turn on the YouTube notifications, all that great stuff. We do appreciate your support thank you guys all for hanging out with us. Rate, review, subscribe. And again, please share the show for Zach. I'm Braden. This has been a football show.